Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. So, name a Christmas story not found in the Bible that's one of your favorites. Huh? What? Did you look at my podium? It is one of her favorites. What's the name of something else? She said the Grinch. It's a wonderful, somebody, and if you knew Steve Gilland, you'd go, yeah, that's probably right. Huh? <laughs> the man just refuses to go down. Huh? But I understand in a few weeks, he hopes to completely squat. Is that right, Steve? Steve? Steve's had some really bad knees, just had knee surgery, and he hopes in a few weeks, be able to, I probably, I don't know if I can even do it right now. I went to get down yesterday, couldn't get back up. He wants to do this. I almost can't do it now, see? Almost. Work on your core. Leave me alone. (laughs) I heard what's a wonderful life, the Grinch, die hard, anything else out there? White Christmas. Wonderful life twice. I got White Christmas. I think the same people were saying they're trying to up the ante on the votes. Huh? Probably should have done one of those, like, text in to vote, like, things we can put on the screen, like, da, da, da. Uh, One of my favorites is this one. The Grinch, who stole Christmas. What, what na- name some of the characters from The Grinch. Cindy Lou what? Cindy Lou what? Cindy Lou what? Cindy Lou who? Okay, here's what I think. The beautiful thing about this story is some old crotchety messed up dude finds out that Christmas is more than things. That's a beautiful piece of this. And if I remember the line correctly, his heart grew three times that day, right? And he found out that there were some things that were really important and they weren't the things hanging on the walls and it wasn't even the food on the table and it wasn't even the stuff under the tree or the decorations or anything like that. He found out that the who's are what make Christmas Christmas. Am I right? I bet many of us here, if we'd sit back and think about Christmas stories... My guess would be the good memories are about whose. And I bet for some of us, when we were frustrated about the idea of the holidays and Christmas and things, it's probably connected to a who. Am I right? I bet many of you like me, I described last week, I've got a few gifts over the years, and right now I can't tell you where they are. I don't know what happened to them. Even as a child, they were the most awesome. And then, who knows, I don't have any idea where they are. I don't know what happened to them. But the things I, I remember the best and the most about Christmas center around the who's. See, the, the joy of who transcends the gifts of what. I think I'll say that one more time. The joy of who transcends the gifts of what. I told you guys last week, I I heard a statistic over the weekend that 
uh, over Black Friday that weekend, $11.6 billion were spent between Friday and Sunday morning. And I heard a news commentator say, somebody's going to have a great Christmas. And I thought about that news commentator. I thought, you don't know what Christmas is all about. Somebody told me on Monday morning that it wasn't just $11.6 billion, $3 billion. How, 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 many are, how many are following me along with your phone? Stick your phone up in the air. $3 billion of that $11.6 billion were spent right through those devices right there. $3 billion. Is that crazy? I never heard the statistics on Cyber Monday. They spent three point something billion over the weekend before Cyber Monday got here. And we keep thinking that somehow we're going to make a great Christmas because we get the right decorations. And then we fill underneath there the, the right, and we keep coming up empty and keep wondering where we're headed and why things are so frustrated and why we can't get somewhere. And the thing, I think the reason is because the joy of who transcends the gift of what? Last week I read to you from Isaiah 9, which is where Tasha led you from about the darkness won't last forever. And somebody say amen to that, right? The dark, this time of darkness will not last. If you're walking through one right now, it is very temporary. And God promises in Isaiah 9, 3, I don't think Tasha just got here. It says, from the English Standard Version, it says these words, you have multiplied the nation, and the next words are, you have increased its joy they rejoice before you, and it has a big word here, as, you guys are probably trying to follow me, it's not there. That's, that's the next verse, but your head, so just stay there. The, they rejoice before you as. This is, he's not saying the, this is the joy, but he's trying to give them some analogies to help them understand what, what this joy might resemble. Are you hearing me? As joy at the harvest, as when warriors divide the spoil, as. Not the same thing, because those sound very materialistic, don't they? A harvest that's reaped, things you get to keep, all that sort of stuff. But he said, this is as. This is not the same. These are very inadequate analogies, but he's trying to help people connect. But there's joy that comes when God does something. And the thing that God does that brings joy is he doesn't send us stuff. He sends us a person. And that person will do some things, and he talks about it a little bit. He, he, said, he, he, he said this person will transcend. The word transcendent means beyond or above the range of normal or merely physical human experience. It's beyond what we can experience here. It's, it, it's defined as surpassing the ordinary, something exceptional, something different than the norm. And even in the regular dictionary, the, the third definition in parentheses says this, of God. Transcendent, a definition in starts with God, a person. Is that cool, right? Existing apart from and not subject to the limitations of the material universe, often contrasts with what's imminent. So right now there's things in your life around you right now that are kind of glaring at you, kind of running after you, maybe like I prayed a minute ago. That there's things, and they seem very imminent, very like right here, very right now. And there's this person who transcends everything material, everything you can touch, hear, see, know, smell, whatever, right now. He's beyond that. And the crazy thing is, because he's beyond that, he does certain things nobody else can do. You know what he does? He eliminates darkness. He gives you the anticipation of good things when the facts that look you tell you only bad things are about to happen. 
He, 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 he comes and he, he alleviates oppression. If you're oppressed somehow by some kind of mental illness to addiction, to some sort of physical limitation, to some sort of relational hubbub, the, he, he's, he's got that. But also he alleviates hostility. He's, he causes hostilities to cease. These analogies, again, aren't sufficient but they're pointing us in the right direction of what we might experience as this time of darkness ends. And God ends the time of darkness by sending us a person. Verse 6 says these words, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God! Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. It's awesome to me. He says this, He shall be called. Really important because he's talking not in terms of ethereal ideas. He's talking very concretely about a person. When you call somebody something, it's indicative of, of, of what you know them to be and sometimes character traits that they exhibit, right? He shall be called. Now, er, earlier in Isaiah, you'll find these words. All right, then, this is Isaiah seven fourteen. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she'll give birth to a son, and we'll call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. He shall be called is a very important phrase because we're not talking about some abstract idea. We're talking specifically about an, a, a personality, a present person, a person who can do something and make things different. That's what he's saying. God is with us. He is Emmanuel. That's what they called him. He gave us a sign to look for to know it was him, and this is that a virgin would conceive. Now, there are several other things in the Scriptures that lead us to the person of Christ. In the book of Micah, it talks about the, the city of Bethlehem becoming a place where this child would be born. So we know a couple things. He will come from the line of David. He will, come, uh, he will be born of a virgin. He will be born in a small town. Several things happened that we know that this Jesus described in the book of Luke, in the book of Matthew, in the book of Mark, in the book of John, is this one who, who is meant to be God is with us. And if that weren't enough, he uses some awesome names to describe what that might look like. The first one is this, he shall be called Wonderful Counselor. And those, I mean, just just, just soak, soak in those, those words. And these are, if you notice in the text, they are capital letters. This is a name. This is not just a description, this is an identity. Are you with me? Wonderful Counselor. I would put it this way, the miraculous wisdom that transforms lives completely. How many of you all thought you had life figured out and started doing your thing and then find out, found out no matter how much you try and do things, you break life worse than it was already broken? Anybody like that? 
Huh? <laughs> Me too. I wish I could sit on somehow and put all my, my limbs in the air. And I still wouldn't have enough. He himself is the wisdom of God. And not just wisdom. The word, the word uh, wonderful there means marvelous. It means miraculous. It means something that takes the ordinary and makes something extraordinary out of it. Or turns something away where natural means are insufficient. Do you understand that? And the Bible tells us he's not just a, a proverb. The Bible would say he is the word of God. That everything about the book describes him. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and He created everything, John 1 says. He is the light of the world. We just sung those words a minute ago. He, he is the miraculous wisdom that transforms lives completely. The word counselor literally means wisdom. And here's what I think. Many of us mope through life trying to figure out how to do life, and we don't know how to do it. And then He comes in, and He shows us how life is to be done. And we take what he shows us and we apply it. See, knowledge is one thing. Knowledge is mere understanding. Okay? I, I kind of get how things work. Okay? I get how a car functions. I am not wise enough to fix one. That wasn't supposed to be funny. But it's true. <laughs> That's everybody who's had to come help me fix something before. Here's one, here's one thing. I used to have a friend of mine who used to say, I figured, when I learned how to fix things, I just figured if it was broke, I couldn't broke it worse. And he literally said it that way. And when I found out, he, mu he must be a couple of steps ahead of me because I found out if it, could, if it was broken, I could break it worse. And then it, I have to call somebody to get me, help me out, right? Huh? <laughs> these, these things don't work very well. Something gets lost in translation. But wisdom is different than knowledge. Knowledge is mere understanding. Wisdom is this thing where you take what you understand, it comes out in the physical living out of life. You can apply it. It changes how you see things. The Proverbs are full of wisdom. They're meant to change how you live life. If you're trying to figure out how to figure out how to live life, I would encourage you. There are 31 Proverbs in the Scriptures, 20 chapters of Proverbs. You should just start reading those one every day. And maybe you'd figure things out a little better. Because God wants your life to be different, and he gave you a path to do that that's following this guy named Jesus. He is the wonderful counselor. Are you with me so far? Say, say wonderful counselor. L listen to these words. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life. This is James 3.13. Doing good works with humility that comes from wisdom. See, wisdom has to have an outplay. Wisdom has to have, 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 a, have a, a lifestyle attached to it. You would never call somebody wise who didn't do anything. How many of you have ever known somebody who's really, really book smart, but you would never ask them for advice? Anybody know anybody like that? Huh? Common sense left on the train, left them in the station, right? Huh? This is what God's talking about. If you are wise and understand God's ways... Okay, how do you understand God's ways? I'm going to say this in a little bit. Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. When you conduct life the way Jesus would conduct life, that's wisdom at work. It changes a life, mainly yours and probably other people's on the path, on the journey. James 3.17 says, but the wisdom that is from above is first of all pure, 
Listen to these next words. It talks about our interaction with other people. It's also peace-loving. It's gentle at all times and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. Boy, try and apply that this Christmas season, would you? Huh? I mean, gentle at all times, peace-loving, willing to yield to others. I ran into, I was out on Bridge Street yesterday. Huh? Pull up, trying to get out of on Marietta Road there on from Lowe's and like the certified station and Frisch's. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And as soon as I get to the to pull out of Lowe's, it's backed up forever, and everybody's trying to creep in, creep in. And I pull up right there at Frisch's because it because that light lasts for like five seconds. Anybody with me? Huh? And pull up, and I see I see a. I see a car sitting right here, and I started waving before I realized who it was. And it was somebody who goes to church here. And we roll out down the window, and they go, boy, I'm glad I didn't flip you off. <laughs> Literally said that. I said, I'm glad too. Huh? <laughs> but we laughed and giggled stuck in traffic on Bridge Street during Christmas season. You know what I mean? Can I encourage you about something? If you've had a bad attitude with the person who's waited on your table, oh, it just got real. Everybody stopped laughing when it started sitting low in their seat. If you've given a, a clerk a hard time because something wasn't in that you wanted, oh, please tell me you weren't the people fighting over gifts on Black Friday. I had a lady here at the church tell me one time they went shopping on Black Friday. The place was crazy. They were shopping with a relative, and they both wanted the same thing. So she laid on top of this thing, and people were still trying to get underneath her and pull the thing out from underneath of her, all in an effort to be spread goodwill toward men. <laughs> Which didn't make any sense to me, right? If you're going to walk in wisdom, it, 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 it portrays in peace-loving. It portrays in gentle at all times and willing to yield to others. Does that sound like Jesus? It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. Does that sound like Jesus? He is the wonderful counselor. Trust me, you would live life that way, your life would be different. And you'd be less anxious and less angry and less wrathful and less malicious and all that. That's good. I don't care what you think about it. That's good. I want to sit down, but I'm not going to. He shall be called, the next word is this, mighty God. I put it this way. Our hero who is victorious valiantly. I expected dudes to go, yes. Huh? This Jesus of ours isn't a wimp. He's strong. He's peace-loving, and he's gentle, and he's good, but he is no wimp. The word here that they describe is the Hebrew word El Gibor. It literally means champion. It literally means hero. He is the proven warrior. He's the kind of guy you want in the corner with you, right? He's the kind of guy who steps into something and fights for justice for those who are his. And he's, he's this. How many guys, how many guys have, have, have like a team like, you know, it seems like inevitable they're going to win every year? <clears throat> Alabama, not. Huh? This is what it's talking about. 
like his ability to win is not in question. He is the proven warrior, the champion. We can talk about the Ohio State University all we want to, but I think last night we learned a little bit that they've probably got a couple of weaknesses they got to stay sharp on, right? Am I right? This is not him. We're not talking about him. He is the, the champion. He is the hero, right? And, and, and he, he, he's not going to lose a quarter. He's not going to lose a half. He's not going to lose the game. He's not going to lose the season. He's not going to lose you or for you. He's not going to fumble the ball. He's not going to wait around to get sacked. He's not going to forget what, how, how to tackle. He is going to accomplish the goal. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 read this. Therefore, since we're surrounded with such a huge cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We are in a challenge. We are in a battle. There is something that needs to be won. I heard somebody say in a podcast this week, I wanted to reach into my car and jerk the radio out of the dashboard, that they felt like, you know, using words like kingdom and champion was a very masculine. I just wanted to reach into it and go, it's in the Bible. He's a, and I get things have been overplayed, but you can't throw the, Baby out with the bathwater because somebody's giving a bad example of what that looks like. He says this, and let us run with endurance to race over. We do this. How do we do this? By keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion, is how in the Living Translation, who initiates and perfects our faith because of, listen to this word, because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. See, Jesus is a champion, not because he's fighting for himself, because he fought for the glory of God and for the good of his kids. He's not the dude. I, you know what drives me crazy? Dude makes one good play. Sit down. There are 10 other guys on the field. If that dude had to pass it to you like he did, you would never caught that ball. Leave that alone. What about those guys? Blo- anyway, anyhow. It ain't about you, bro. It's called a team. Team what team? Oh, never mind. That's another, that's another movie. Not even a Christmas movie. Right? Jesus is a different kind of champion. He's not the one who, who, who just gloats and boasts. He's the one who serves and loves and gives away what he won to other people. That's the kind of champion. But he doesn't, lo- he doesn't lose. Are you hearing me? The joy of who transcends the gifts of what? The joy of who transcends the gifts of what? He shall be called, I love this one, everlasting father. The Father who is present perpetually. And that been a moment of your life, not a second of your existence, that He wasn't in it with you. Not one time. Sometimes it looked like it. Sometimes facts screamed at you otherwise. Sometimes people tried to talk you out of His nearness. But He has never gone any place. He is everlasting. And the crazy thing about it is He has a bunch of inconsistent kids, but His inconsistent kids do not change His consistency. 
I am inconsistent like the rest of us. I'm, my wife's not sitting up close today. Maybe she wishes she would have, so she'd be like, yes, yeah, say that. You are inconsistent. Huh? I got to pick up your coveralls and get out of the middle of the bedroom floor. We're going to have a problem. Somebody gets paint on my carpet again. Right? That just happened yesterday. That's why I'm saying that. If you ain't used to real, don't come around here. I'm just saying. This idea of everlasting father is a very endearing term. It means father in regard to parentage, biology, yes. You know, donation of DNA and all that sort of thing. But it, it goes beyond that. It is the Hebrew word ab, A-B. In the New Testament, it would be transliterated this way, Abba. Now, here's the difference. The word Abba, we really don't have an English word that fits. The closest thing we have is daddy. Okay, Because this idea is, is, is it's both a title of authority, but it is a designation of nearness, closeness, relationship. He is the guy making the provisions and the decisions, but he's also the guy who's right there. You want to sit in his lap. We don't really have a way to say father, he's the guy making all the decisions. Or we say dad or daddy, he's the guy we want to be close to or something. And, and, and all that. He, he is different than any daddy anybody of us have ever known. If I have an aspiration as a father, it is that I want to be like him. Because he is consistent. Never be, there, there's never been a moment he's had to wor- I've had to worry about who he is or what he's doing or if, I can, if he can be trusted. There's never a moment that, that, that his love is in question. I, and there are days I give my kids reasons to wonder. Anybody like that? Some of you have reasons to wonder about the character of God because of the parentage you've had. Jesus would say words like this. If you know how, know how being evil parents to give good gifts to your kids, how much more does the Heavenly Father know how to take care of His kids, give good gifts to His kids? And He gives us His Holy Spirit, His very near presence, His very close, even on the, living on the inside of us presence, His good gifts and His good things. He, he's, the Bible says this, he's, he's not a man that He should lie. Some of us have lied inadvertently. We made promises and then we found out we couldn't keep them. And then that, that, that left a taining on our, on our kids' childhood. Or maybe we're the kids who got promised certain things. And now there's this tainting. And we look back on Christmas and things like that. And there's this blah. And there's this guy who just is an ogre. And da, 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 whatever. That's not him. He, he, he's, he's, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So I want you to think about that. The Bible tells us we can cry out. Abba, we can cry out, Daddy, and know that he's going to respond. Some of you have had dads who were there physically but were checked out emotionally, and that hurts. Some of you had dads who would want to connect emotionally but weren't around much physically because of work or separation or divorce or whatever, and, and, and you feel the, the eh about all that, right? Like he's just, when he brought a gift, you were like, he's just trying to pay me off. In his absence, right? Anybody like that? Ever thought those thoughts? We're not talking about that kind of daddy. We're talking about a daddy who is both near and good. 
is authoritative and knows what's right and will hold us to a line. But at the same time, when we cross the line, he's never like, you are a stupid. Where did you come from? He is not Buford T. Justice. There is no way you could have come from my loins. When I get home, I'm going to slap your mama right in the mouth. But see, we laugh, and it sounds funny, but some of us, that has been our experience. There's no way you belong to me. How, what, what are you thinking? You're so stupid. What is going on? I, I, no matter how much I talk, you, don't, you just can't get it. What is wrong with you? And, and things like, oh, we wish we never had you. You were an accident. You will never hear that from this daddy. Well, not this daddy, that daddy. Hopefully you don't hear from this daddy either. You understand what I mean? He is so different than that. He is the consistent one who is perpetually engaged in the life of his kids. There's never going to be a moment, never going to be a time, never going to be a space where he's going to be someplace else doing something else. He, but he's also called not just everlasting father, not just mighty God, not just wonderful counselor, the one who, who provides for us and walks us through difficulty because we, we are hurting and, and lost and trying to figure things out. He shall also be called prince of peace. The one who rules with shalom continually. See, we have this word peace in English, and it, it doesn't translate well between the Hebrew words. Because we always think of peace as like things are just calm. It's cool. No, not fighting with anybody, no stress, no tension. But the, the word that's used here to describe Jesus as the Prince of Peace is a lot, has a lot more involved, a lot deeper of an idea. It has the idea of peace, but it also has the idea of prosperity. Which means not that I'm, you know, swimming in a gazillion dollars. It means I have enough and extra that I can share. He, he's provided enough for me that I have more than what I need. And then I give the extra, the excess away for the glory of his name and the good of other people. That's the kind of prosperity he's talking about. That's the kind, when he is the prince of peace, he's the prince of that kind of thing. He rules with that kind of thing. It also has the idea of completeness, which means if you feel like you lack anything, he's the thing that comes in and fills it. Whether it's in your character, whether it's in your relationships, whether it's in, the, you know, we, we think of this time, you know, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. Want it has it has the idea of lack attached to it, right? But it's not just money or provision; it's the the entirety of life. When I feel like I I I, I am lacking someone to whose ear I could bend, he completes that scenario and becomes the ear I can listen. You can listen to me. He's he's complete. He he he, he provides a, enough for me. I am complete in him. I'm not complete in myself. I don't have it together, but he is completeness. If I am in him, I have all that I need. It has the idea of safeness, like there is a secure spot in him where no evil thing can really touch me or affect me. It might be trying to reach in, but in all reality, it, it is disabled from really harming me if I stay in him. It has the idea of health attached to it. Healthy, body, mind, spirit. 
It has the idea of, of satisfaction. Probably too many of us have been listening to the Rolling Stones. Can't get no. I can't get no because, I, the, because the gifts of what are transcending the joy of who in my life. I can't get no satisfaction. My kids are spoiled and they don't, you know, they, they, nothing makes them happy and blah, 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 blah. Right? No matter what I get them. Maybe they don't need more of stuff. Maybe they need more of you. It has the idea of friend attached to it. This word shalom. You want to you have a joyous Christmas? Find somebody friendless and make yourself available to them. Watch what happens. I started a story last week. Actually, I didn't know it was, I thought it was an ending of a story, but it was just the middle part of the story. I told you about a lady who came to, to eat with us for Thanksgiving. No lie. As soon as I get home Monday afternoon, pick up my boys from school, I, I went home maybe 10 minutes. I'm sitting on the couch going through my email. All of a sudden, hear this. My son Eric walks to the door. There's the neighbor lady from across the street. Hey, what's happening? Hey, I'm just wondering, would you guys come to my house for dinner? And whoever was at Thanksgiving on Thursday? What? Uh, uh, and I'm like the rest of you. My mind started spinning like, okay, can't do tomorrow night. Can't do da, 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 da. I'm like, I, I'd love to. Uh, let me have my wife call you when she gets home. Because I'm sure I'm forgetting something. And I couldn't, find, I couldn't find an evening anyway. And in my mind, as quick as I could think of it, I'm like, uh, yes, I don't know when. I don't, I don't know. Friday night, my, my wife and kids and I, my mom and dad sat in her house. And she cooked a spread. She worked for two days. We had Thanksgiving, literally had Thanksgiving feast all over again. Turkey, mashed potatoes, scalloped potatoes, green beans, homemade bread. I mean, I go through, I mean, she spared no expense for us to come to her house. And we laughed and we giggled and she said some not so nice words and then apologized because she didn't really. Oops. <laughs> Well, I didn't mean, you know, and we just laughed. We just took her as she was. We just that's what Jesus would do, right? Huh? Because she needs a friend. So when Jesus is talking about he's the prince of peace, he's the prince who wants to invade a friendless in, in engagement. Are you with me? And he wants us to be that. He is that for us. It has the idea of blessing attached to it. Listen to these words. Luke 2, 13 through 14. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others. This is the story in Luke of the birth of Jesus. The shepherds are out in the field. Mary's had the baby in the stable. The angels show up and begin to sing and talk to the shepherds about what just happened. And they say these words. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And shalom on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And that sounds like that's a very exclusive thing, but here's the idea behind it. If anybody would engage the person of Christ and, and begin to follow him, that shalom was available to them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's the implication. That's what God saw. This is the joy of Christmas that God came to rule with shalom. 
and be among us. Show us what it means. Luke 2, 33, 2. They bring him to the temple. He's, eight, year, he's eight, eight days old. He's about to be circumcised. And he's standing in front of Simeon. And Simeon says this, I have seen your salvation. That's the same word, shalom, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. He is the glory of your people, Israel. This is what we're talking about for all people. He wants to be engaged in the lives of every single person that is human, that has blood running through their veins, has thought in their minds, has, has a need for food and air and all that sort of, he wants an, an involvement. He wants his withness. I don't even know if that's a word. God is with us. Emmanuel, he wants that to be known by every single person on the planet. And the way he chooses to be with us is he uses his people to build a shield around people. That's me and you. And he is engaged in the process of changing human life. Ephesians 2.14, for Christ himself has brought peace, shalom to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. If you're giving in to some sort of cultural thing that there's us and them and that and that, you're not, you're not walking in the love of God. If you will judge a person according to their racial background because of their ethnicity or their beliefs, you are not understanding what God came to do. He came to tear that stuff down. And he, he wants you to engage it, not get yourself involved in the rhetoric around it. He wants you to be the person who will bring shalom, completeness, safeness, security to even people who don't even look like you, sound like you, believe like you, talk like you. Because that's what he came to do because the Bible says, I'm getting crazy now, wait. The Bible says in Romans, he came and died when we were his enemies. Not friends. Not, not those people, not them with that problem, not them with that belief structure, those who carry the image of God because they're made in his image. Well, that's scary. You don't think it was scary for Jesus? As I recall, the man was in a garden sweating great drops of blood because about what was about to happen to him so he could tear that wall down. You mean we should? Yes, I do. Think of that person you are scared to death of. Yes. Ooh. Let's make Christmas for real. If Christmas is supposed to be the replication that God is with us as human beings, let's be God to them. Stop making accusations and prejudicial statements before we know a person. I get tired of it, man. I've been engaged in politics way too long, apparently. I don't know. I get tired of it. People who are made in the image of God, who suck oxygen through their nose, drink water through their mouth, have blood popping through their veins, deserve an engagement with the living one who made them. And the only way they're going to get it is because we engage them. That's it. <sighs> He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace, shalom, between Jews and Gentiles by creating himself in himself one new people from the two groups. Can I be any more clearer than that? Find somebody who has a lifestyle different than yours has a vocabulary different than ours, and engage them this Christmas. I dare you. I dare you. And 
I would say this. Maybe we could expect miraculous, but you know what? This is a long journey, man. I think you are. My wife's not up front, huh? But we're family, right? Huh? See, I think what God wants from us is not the. <laughs> His beard's better than mine. Just saying. He could probably grow a pretty righteous beard. Huh? Young whippersnapper, you. Your hair, your hair's not as gray as mine either, but we'll keep that down. My, my, kids, my kids were playing Wii last night. You know how you make your own me on the Wii? You know what I'm talking about? And my, my oldest son has, this, has the nerve to go, Dad, you don't look like that anymore. Your hair's not black. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you too, son. I think he wants us not to hurry up and sit at the table and get on to the next thing on the list, the checkbox. I think he wants us to grab people. We often Jesus calls it a journey. Come and follow me. I think he wants us to grab them by the hand and go, come on, let's start walking. Well, I think, well, that's probably pretty silly, but you can keep thinking that for right now, yes. You know, I'll tell you what I think, what I believe about Jesus. You know, I think this. Well, okay, yeah, that's fine. Let's keep walking. You know, I believe, well, okay, yep, yep. Guess who Jesus is? Okay, I think, I, you know what? I even said, okay, I drank. Okay, I even took in, okay, good, good. Let's just keep walking. Come on, we'll get this, we'll get this straightened out. Of it. Come on, let's just keep, and it's a long journey. It's not something quick. One dinner ain't going to fix it. Huh? One conversation about, oh, I don't know. Let's think of something uh, that might create some tension. Uh, sexual orientation. Let's not one of the, not, that's not going to get it, right? We're going to have to keep talking. Even though God's got a plan, he's got a, a thing he's carrying out. He wants us to engage people. He wants a nice long walk, a journey together. You know what I found out about myself? When I hang around my wife too long, I start seeing things the way she'd see them. There are days I notice the dishes aren't done. Hmm? That's, that's right. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I think if I get in close proximity to somebody, they'll start getting things. Am I right? They'll start seeing things. I remember one time, go ahead, you said I remember one time there was, there was, and since my wife would, now me and Jay have like sweaty palm hands together. I remember one time a friend of mine got saved, and I remember he and I talking, and he's like, dude, I was sitting at the lunch table at work. I'm like, okay. He said, all of a sudden, these guys were F this and F that. He said, I got mad. He goes, you know what? All of a sudden, I realized, you know, Aaron never gave me a hard time about that. And he felt the nudge of Jesus. Maybe you shouldn't get angry about that too either. If you want to help them get where they need to go, maybe anger is not the correct response. Which he didn't know was James chapter 1. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. He said, how long did you let me say words like that? I said, I've never told you not to say them. What do you mean? But somehow walking close, he got it, right? I never told him what words he could say and what he couldn't say. We never had that conversation. We still haven't had that conversation. Right? Joy to the world. 
Stand up with me. I thought I was going to end pretty soon, early, but I didn't. We're going to read a passage of Scripture together. And I'm going to send you home. John 5, verses 7 through 12. Jay talked about meditation. And I want you to read these words and meditate on them with me, okay? You ready? Can you see those words on the screen? Ready? One, two, three. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. <laughs> with my joy, right. Sorry, thanks for helping me out there. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. That's, that's a lot in there, man. The idea is joy is connected to a person. When we connect to the person and we take what he's given us and we give it away to other people, joy is, not, joy is given to us and then joy overflows among us. Do you get that? You're not going to get joy from having the right gifts underneath the Christmas tree. You're not going to get joy from doing the right amount of shopping or finding just that right thing that your wife wanted or whatever. You're not going to find joy by, you're going to find joy by, be, by, by giving the gift of Jesus away in all sorts of capacities, in forgiveness, in mercy, in grace, in presentness. In friendship, in being, I said this last week, in being a peacemaker, not just a peacekeeper. In, in, in being the person who engages the things. Jesus is joy. First of all, you got to come to him. If you read back before that, he says, I am the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will, will produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He is the connection. The first piece of the puzzle is to come to Christ. And right now, even though you may have been a Christian, if you are on a, on a trajectory that, that's adverse to that or like the joy is being sucked out of you, come back to him first. Get your mind off of the family get-together. Get your mind off of the shopping experience. Get your mind off of the indebtedness. Get your mind off of whatever. Get your mind and, and just look to Jesus. If you're not a Christian today, here's the idea. Come to him first. You can do none of this without his help. I can talk about you being wise. I can talk about you being a champion for those who need justice. I can talk about you being a, a good father. And I can talk about you being a person who extends peace. But you can't do that without him. In, without me, you can do nothing, he says. And so here's the deal. You need him before any of that can happen. And he says, we sang World of Screen, he reason, he, the reason the birth of Jesus is so significant is because of the life of Jesus that shows us the character of God, the death of Jesus that shows us the love of God, and the resurrection of Jesus that shows us the power of God to overcome everything life throws at us. So without those things, this birth thing means nothing. But because of those things, this birth thing is the most important birth that ever happened, ever. And that's why we can celebrate it. 
You come to him, he makes good on his promises. Secondly, you know what you do? You continue experiences joy. To continue experiences joy, you must abide in him. And the connection he makes is if you abide in me, you're doing what I'm doing. You're becoming the friend to the friendless. You're becoming the peacemaker. You're becoming the champion for those who are hurting or lost or whatever. You, you are the one who becomes consistent in the life of somebody who's had no consistency in their lives ever. You, you're the one who becomes present. You're the one. This, this is what he wants. And I'm not talking about humanism. I'm talking about you being filled with the power of God to the point that his, his, he takes on human form in the life of a, a lived-out human being who's imperfect and broken, just like the rest of humanity around them. In order for Christmas to be joyous, you've got to engage those things. Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant. Another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churcht.org.